Cutting Through the Blockchain Hype. Today, I speak with Eric Pupo from Accenture. American healthcare entrepreneurs and executives you want to know. Talking. Relentlessly seeking value. Blockchain is the technology behind Bitcoin. It's sometimes called a distributed ledger, which is just a fancy way of saying that everybody in the blockchain network has a ledger on their computer. And every time a transaction occurs, every copy of the ledger on everybody's computer gets updated. Why is that interesting for healthcare? The promise is that, number one, if everybody can see a transaction on their own computer in their own ledger, then effectively we have interoperability without having interoperability. Everybody gets what they need from their own ledger. And then there's this question of trust, number two. If I interoperate with someone, the problem is, or the problem with interoperating with someone, is that I have to trust them with a wormhole through my firewall. But with blockchain, all I need to do is trust in the blockchain. Today, I speak with Eric Pupo on the use case for blockchain in healthcare and what's hype and what's not. Eric is the managing director over at Accenture Health Client Service Group. My name is Stacey Richter, and this podcast is sponsored by Aventria Health Group. Welcome to Relentless Health Value, Eric. Thank you for having me. You definitely have a unique perspective working at the confluence of emerging technologies. What I wanted to do first is just kind of level set here. What is blockchain? Just at the very highest level, but then why is it relevant to healthcare? Well, it's real relevance in terms of its role is it allows you to have transactional interactions with entities and parties that you might not necessarily know, but need to exchange information with or need to have them uh, as a third party validate. So I have often heard blockchain bandied about as kind of this grand vision for the future. So you're actually seeing it in play. Like you're actually seeing blockchain use. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of what you see with blockchain is it's not just in in isolation where we really see a lot of focus in healthcare, especially and, and why it's becoming much more real is really two prongs to it. So one is it's really good in terms of tying with other technologies. So you see scenarios where everybody mentions blockchain, blockchain, blockchain. But in reality, what you see is blockchain used with other technologies. So you see blockchain as a service deployed in the cloud and organizations can quickly deploy various blockchain applications to look at setting up networks relatively quickly that allows them to establish these trustless networks like care coordination and where you need to to have as a a PCP, perhaps five or six specialists or other doctors you're working with uh, to share information relatively quickly. You can actually establish a network using blockchain to do that. That's one example. And then the other example which you see is certainly with artificial intelligence uh, is a, a major one now that's happening with you're seeing organizations like IBM, like Oracle begin to deploy blockchains as a service in the cloud. And then what they do is is add in the ability to run uh, various algorithms as a what's called a smart contract or, or really coded logic that's built into the blockchain that can run various algorithms dependent on the types of transactions that are occurring on the network. That's one real big prong of it is that type of focus on combining with other technologies. And I think there's just a lot of frustration with the progress that's been made on electronic health records. 
and being able to share information through HIEs. So blockchain is perceived as potentially another way for us to drive further advances in uh, health information exchange. And we've certainly seen a lot of different approaches used by biotech, pharma companies, by payers, by health systems to try to establish blockchain networks in order to drive interoperability at a faster pace. What have major EHR systems been doing relative to blockchain, for example? Great question. So w- w- one thing you see is not a lot. They, they have not actually really dived into adoption We've moved beyond the phase of originally a lot of the pressure on EHR vendors was, well, blockchain is going to replace them and blockchain is going to make the EHR obsolete. And then it was blockchain is going to replace the EHR databases that might be used by various vendors like Epic, essentially replace those structures with blockchain. And we've now gone way beyond that phase to well, how can I build out a blockchain network or blockchain data integration? So recently there was an announcement from a blockchain vendor, for example, with Epic named GuardTime, which basically came out and said, uh, we'd like to do a blockchain network integrated across multiple EHR vendors. So kind of removes the problem of potential database integration among various EHR vendors and breaks that down into just a blockchain network. Still just infancy phase, still just kind of discussing it. But EHR vendors are showing the willingness to to begin to engage and, and to start to think about how they potentially can uh, apply blockchain as a technology to uh, uh, be used across various aspects of healthcare. In that example that you just gave, where effectively blockchain is replacing an HIE, might not be replacing the EHR, but it sounds like in a very large way, if there is a agreed upon blockchain protocol, then that's one way to achieve interoperability. What's the timeline on that? What we've seen is is just tremendous pace on a wide variety of emerging technologies. And whether it's technologies that are kind of the underlying IT infrastructure, like you see with a blockchain, or just uh, technologies in, in general, advancements in gene therapies and advancements that we see as part of, of various EHR approaches and now moving much more quickly to, to more cloud-based approaches. So if I were to look at a timeline with blockchain, you know, anywhere from one to five years, you're going to see a pretty extensive amount of disruption by blockchain. And really, it's about figuring out how do you take the strengths of, of a blockchain blockchain network, blockchain technology, and apply that to some of healthcare's challenges. So in those cases where you can do it pretty quickly, we've certainly seen with organizations like a a pocket doc who we talk with and work with fairly extensively, that they've really jumped out in front and using blockchain as a as the underlying distributed ledger. They've got that in place, you know, over the next 6, 12, 18 months you're seeing expansion in that type of approach because they're targeting things that are relatively straightforward to do in blockchain versus some of the more complex challenges if you look like at, at population health or areas where you're dealing with more with large amounts of data, large data throughput. It depends really on how blockchain evolves as to whether that will move into those types of spaces. Uh, certainly talking to each our vendors, they haven't really looked at blockchain for population health for these types of large uh, data scenarios that they deal with now as more and more healthcare data gets created. So I certainly would think that would be something you know, you're looking at three, five years before you start to see various applications of blockchain in that area of healthcare. The one example that you gave around care coordination, that all of a sudden there's six provider organizations or something that need to collaborate with one another. You set up a blockchain. The six use that particular blockchain vendor in order to facilitate that. And boom, 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 done. But at this juncture, I think the last time I checked, there was like eight or nine or 10 
vendors that were working on blockchain, obviously they've got their own networks. How are you seeing that play out, that there's a VHS and a Betamax and one of them is going to win? Or do you see there being a multiplicity of blockchain blockchains that every big EHR system is going to have to have an interface with all eight of them? <laughs> or how, how do you see this playing out? There's uh, kind of a, an issue right now within blockchain in general on that as a more emerging technology, there's so many different vendors, there's so many different uh, potential technology approaches. Like in others, emerging tech that have evolved over time, you'll, you'll start to weed out some of the, the less profitable or less uh, tangential ideas. So I think that will start to, to evolve. I certainly see all the the large vendors in technology really diving into the blockchain space. So there's no let up there. there there's constant evolution. We recently saw blockchain uh, be adopted by Oracle as, a, as a, a service in their cloud. Some of the applications that we've seen that are out there in digital health have started to say, okay, we're going to be blockchain enabled and start to, to use blockchain as the underlying uh, database technology. And they're all just like randomly picking one of the vendors? They're, it's not so much a random picking. What they're doing is they're creating their own as startup, a large amount of startups, just starting to dive into blockchain because it's as an emerging technology. It's it's starting to be perceived as hot, and and what hot means in, in tech a lot of times is well, I have to dive into that space. I have to do that. I have to build an application in that space to kind of jump on the bandwagon. And and this is why I think there'll be a lot of of market disruption over time in the blockchain space is because. A lot of times those ideas don't end up being feasible. A lot of startups are diving in and saying, you know, we're going to build stuff in blockchain, but you, you don't necessarily always see the market demand yet for those types of applications. Well, maybe I'm so. missing something. So if I'm a startup and I got my own blockchain and you're a startup and you got your own blockchain, can these two blockchains talk together? Or are we, you know, I'm speaking French, you're speaking German, and this ain't going to work. A lot of times... These blockchain networks that are being established are what we call private or hybrid blockchain networks, meaning the members, it's not public. Um, and public in the context of blockchain is, I can see it, I can join it, I can be a part of that network. So those networks that are established for care coordination, as an example, they're not always established as public because you wouldn't want to necessarily just have a bunch of information as part of a care plan out there publicly available. It's really dependent on the approach uh, that you take in network design as to how you might be able to see or access others' networks, but it's not a situation like you have in, in the context of HIEs where you can just simply share information across uh, blockchain networks and, and yeah, do that. Yeah, see, I have to say that I'm starting to really wonder how feasible blockchain is based on this conversation, just in the sense that obviously there are so many of these different networks, they can't talk to each other. I mean, it's just like, are we creating another interoperability problem? <laughs> Well, yeah, I think that's that's the big thing is is like any hype cycle. It's really hyped. And the thing with a distributed ledger that's really unique is it's much more focused on the concept of shared control than it is on on shared data. Shared control means in terms of being able to actually control what's happening. It's not reading the data. Uh, but it's the, the terms of the modification in terms of who, who has the actual authority to do it. And essentially what that means is in a blockchain network, everybody has to validate anything that is happening as part of that uh, distributed ledger because it's decentralized and because nobody fully trusts each other, which is its strength. What that means is the, it's almost like a constitution or uh, a set of rules uh, that, that drive that level of control. 
So that's why you, you won't find me being uh, somebody that would just massively hype up blockchain for everything in healthcare because in the context of the healthcare industry, that's a significant barrier to just using blockchain for everything. You know, in a private distributed ledger network, you, you have a situation where if you need a, a certain number of validations uh, through a digital signature to occur, or in terms of a specific asset, at least two or three parties need to sign off on every transaction that might occur. That's not necessarily a situation that lends itself to every type of use case within healthcare. So some work, some don't. I've always been keen on supply chains and things like care coordination, which to me is almost like a supply chain for data, healthcare data. Yeah, and it almost seems like what you said, the if the if the major advantage of blockchain is that the locus of control is distributed across all parties, but yet it's my blockchain network. You know what I mean? That's almost an oxymoron. That obviously if it's my blockchain because it's connected to my startup and my technology, then there's a certain amount of control which is inherently mine. So yes. yeah. I would say also, though, that there's another example of, of why with shared control, blockchain does have an impact, and that's something like patient identity. So if I need to validate across all parties that are, are part of a patient identity blockchain network, then you would look at that and say, well, that actually is a pretty good example of using blockchain as an enforcement mechanism that does have a, a powerful impact in terms of healthcare and gives us a potential step to use that type of technology uh, within healthcare. Given that example that you just said, and I'm piecing that together with something that you had commented on earlier, which is that population health data is just blowing blockchain's tiny mind at this juncture. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like you have one system that has this firewalled population health management information or, you know, actual patient health data. And maybe that's within an HIE. But then on the other side, you're validating, for example, patient identity with blockchain. So are you seeing kind of the future as sort of a hybrid between, well, some things work for blockchain, some things don't. So maybe blockchain is the you know entry point or something that would enable someone to deliver currently firewalled, not blockchain information, you know, kind of to that now trusted collaborator. In my role as the, the healthcare blockchain lead at uh, Accenture, I see use cases all the time that people propose that I say, you know, I don't think that that's a good use for blockchain technology. There's a lot of proof of concepts out there that are trying to prove me wrong uh, or to apply some type of specific technical like design. Like what's an example say, of that? What's an example where blockchain has been attempted to fill a need that it might not be well suited for? The areas like the EHR and replacing the EHR, you know, I definitely have some some major qualms about the idea of, of uh, storing healthcare information or storing healthcare data on a blockchain network. I don't necessarily see that as a good use case and a good strength for blockchain. There's multiple reasons for that, but the primary one being, you know, that this isn't really what blockchain was designed to do. When you start to change in terms of the technology, uh, expand scope, expand the limits of what it can do and move away from some of its strong features into some features that maybe it's not so strong at, then you're basically, it's a little more of a hype cycle than it is the best use of technology. That's one example. Other areas like population health, you know, the, the challenge there and why I see it as longer term is that's large amounts of data. And traditionally, that gets tricky when it comes to something like a blockchain network with large amounts of data 
large amounts of potential validators as part of uh, that network and the amount of computing power required as part of the different consensus mechanisms that you might use. But it's not better than what I feel are existing technologies that are already out there and in place for the populational challenges that we have. That's where I think hype is overwhelming. I think reason at times in terms of some of these areas that we look at in blockchain. Yeah, because based on what you just said, I'm not necessarily seeing any immediate advantages over, or maybe I should pose this as a question. Why wouldn't we put effort into HIEs who have proven at least at some level to be able to transport population health management, you know, PHI around pretty successfully? Well, I think the difference between blockchain and HIEs specifically has been trust. So trust meeting, HIEs establish these data sharing agreements and have a very specific trustful relationship that's been established. That is a little different than what you would see in terms of, of blockchain uh, approaches to health information exchange. Now, there are frameworks out there that, that I've certainly seen where people have explored use of uh, blockchain to make health information exchange potentially easier to do. But I still think there's, there's a challenge there because the idea of a blockchain HIE, this trustless network and the storing of healthcare data, I think is still a challenge versus the idea of, well, if we change the, the structure of an HIE to move away from a centralized authority, perhaps to this this trustless, no third party, no uh, centralized authority network, maybe the, the blockchain HIE becomes just a pointer and it points at where data might be available that provides an additional layer of security. But blockchain is almost like a, a technology looking for a use case at times. And you ask yourself, okay, what could it do better than existing HIE standards or existing HIE approaches that are out there? Because the HIE challenge has not just been technology, it's been market, you know, the market driver. What is that? How do we leverage profitability in terms of somebody has to run a blockchain network to be an HIE? Who makes profit off that? Who actually runs that? And what's the market driver? How do I make a, not so much a profit, but just what is the market for doing that? Well, how does blockchain solve that? It doesn't. It doesn't just automatically make people want to share data. And that's kind of the, the battle that goes on between this this blockchain HIE idea and, and traditional HIE is what does blockchain do better than existing HIE approaches that would make people want to share more data or share the right type of data uh, than they do now? That's a little bit TBD, it sounds like. Where the TBD really comes in is, is network design and business model. There's all these different approaches, ideas that get thrown out there. And, and part of the job that I have is to evaluate those for, for various companies and to, to give my opinion on it. And it's tended to lean towards there's a lot of stuff we could potentially do, but you just have to evaluate things in the perspective of what can it do better when we speak about blockchain than other types of, of technological approaches. So if I'm a provider organization or a payer, for example, at this moment in time. Clearly, there's a lot of things going on. And you had also mentioned the fact that, you know, people are moving and shaking, that the innovation curves are starting to compress. How does a payer or provider group, based on what you've seen, successfully navigate figuring out what is a good bet that we need to invest time in? And what's something that we could spend a whole lot of energy and budget trying to build out and it's not going to go anywhere? If you're looking at uh, just asking in terms of broader technologies like the, and the emerging space that are out there now. 
because some of this is kind of like a network effect to, to some extent. Yeah. You know, whether blockchain succeeds or fails probably has less to do with any individual entity and yeah. a little bit more to do with what everybody decides to do. So if I'm a payer or provider, just from where you sit, like how do people navigate this? Let's say Aetna or Cigna has an innovation program. A lot of it is this idea of, of pilot and test it and throw ideas out there, see what sticks. If it's not directly impacting, uh, whether it's a financial impact, a social impact, some improvement in care delivery or better administrative approaches like you see with uh, the use of blockchain and claims processing, things like that, then it's not going to get traction. It's not going to be a value uh, to those types of organizations uh, to consider. You've just talked about the interesting aspects of blockchain and some of its potential, but also the prospect that it is a solution looking around for a problem. Based on what you see, what is an actual problem? What is a gap that the customers that you work with are definitely looking to figure out how to solve? What I, I do feel is an untapped market is is more of the, the rural, the, the health disparity markets where innovation isn't around in terms of inner city, in terms of way out in the country, if you if you will. You don't have startups out there. They're not targeting those types of, of markets and, and those patients. And there's, a I think, an untapped potential to really start to now move from what, what I would, would tend to say is an oversaturated innovation area in the payer and provider space where there's so many startups targeting so few areas to that context of how can we better serve underserved populations, minority health, children's health, people that are are living in, in terms of rural health or, or even living in terms of, of just poor socioeconomic conditions. How do we, we actually move into those types of spaces with the, with the types of innovations that are out there? Accenture, how do you on a day-to-day -day basis help payers, providers, and I don't know if you've got other customers, to really navigate through the hype as we talked about and really find what is actually the best way forward to solve the problem as opposed to having some kind of fetish with something new that doesn't necessarily cut it. A lot of what I do is engage in these conversations, analyze the different uh, challenges an organization has, and then provide uh, advisory informed opinions on, on what I think they should do. And what that means is, and I'm a techie at heart. I love all these technologies. I work with them. I, I establish blockchain networks. I work with AR, VR technologies, with sensory technologies, connected health, IoT, all of those areas. In the end, it, it's all great stuff, but it has to be applied to something to drive change or to improve performance in some way. A lot of what I'm focused on is listening to what a customer uh, says and then saying, okay, based on the technology. So the question they might have is, well, you know, I've, I've heard about blockchain, you know, what is it? How might I use it in healthcare? And really focusing on their challenges to try to figure out, okay, there might be some ways you could use it. Here's what they are. Here's pilots, here's startups that are out there versus, you know, just automatically throwing myself into taking that technology and just applying it, dropping it into the organization. It's more advising on what the right approach might be, what the uh, in the context of requirements, what the best requirements uh, that are aligned to the technology might be. 
so that it's not just uh, co- selling technology for the sake of technology, but really trying to align technology to many of the healthcare challenges that have been around for a long time, which I, I feel, uh, having worked again about uh, almost 20 years now in healthcare, that there is a certain opportunity through a lot of emerging technology, but things 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago were supposed to solve certain problems. They didn't. And a lot of cases, these challenges are going to be ongoing. It's not just something that's going to be solved with tech uh, that might be out there. I think people often go awry with technology. You know, you got to yeah. kind of got to keep your eye on the brass ring. Like, what are you trying to do? Because it's very easy to get captivated by the allure <laughs> of the yeah. of the news. Exactly. And where can people find out more about the work that you're doing at Accenture if they're interested? Our website, Accenture.com, um, and also in terms of uh, the, uh, my organization, I'm the the healthcare uh, technology consulting lead for Accenture in North America. So I do a lot of our technology advisory, technology strategy work with many of our provider, payer, and life science clients. But the best way I think to engage in, in terms of myself and the work that, that I do and the work we do is uh, to, to have us in for a conversation. We can talk more about just uh, what some of those challenges are that you're having with technology and and what out there might potentially be a solution and what might not be. It has been such a pleasure having you on the podcast today, Eric. I appreciate it. Links to everything discussed on the program today can be found at RelentlessHealthValue.com. If you visit the website, RelentlessHealthValue.com, you will also find a complete listing of all of the shows that we have published thus far with leading entrepreneurs and executives in the healthcare space today. Another cool feature is, you know, you can subscribe to the show so that every week the episode is automatically sent to you so you don't have to remember to go to the website to download it. Thanks so much for listening.